You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. You're listening to Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Football. Dalvin Cook has had a big day, 115 yards and a touchdown. And you can add to the number here. A beautiful spin move, and Cook takes it to the outside. Oh, what an effort. Dalvin Cook, touchdown, Vikings. It's, it was, you know, it was cut back a little bit, yes, but it, it wasn't, it was more, you know, we got up there on the ball a couple times and went fast, um, you know, we got up there a couple times and uh, we had uh, passes killed the runs and runs killed the passes and we got up there and had, a, um, you know, a couple, uh, uh, just get up there and snap the ball and don't really care what they're in. And so, you know, I think the flow kind of helped that way, but um I mean, there's still, you know, off, all offenses have a lot of plays, you know, just getting the ones called. So, but, you know, if you got 215 plays, you can't call them all any, anyway. So that's part of it. Football. Couldn't help himself. Zimmer got to the end of that, and he couldn't help himself and had to point out how many plays were in the DeFilippo playbook. I love it. I, the guy is such a great quote. Hi, Matthew Collar. Oh, it's just classic. How great I mean, is it? It's just classic. I thought about printing out all the transcripts the, the the team has like interns that write down every question and answer from the head coach and I, I thought about printing them all out and just getting a highlighter and highlighting every single jab at, at John D Filippo but you could tell how much has been held back even even for Zimmer with the fact that he basically revealed every problem to us over the weeks before John D. Filippo was fired. And every time I would get asked, like, were you surprised by that? I was like, no, he told us over a month. And he's not but, the only one that's been holding back. Like, I'll just play you five seconds of an Adam Thielen quote from yesterday. Well, that's the guy that we see every day in practice and uh, the guy that uh, we've been waiting to to give those opportunities and to, to let him carry this offense. Cause we- okay, okay, I, got, I got another one today from David Morgan. Who said of no, David Morgan's piling on? Yeah, said, that guy was a moron. <laughs> but like, he said of CJ Ham, he's like the fullback. He's versatile and he can do a lot of things. So I don't know why that guy wouldn't be out there. And I'm like, I don't know either. I don't know either. And then I said after the recorders shut off, I just said to David, I'm like, well, I wrote that they should play him more. So your new offensive coordinator really made me look good. Uh, so that's that's a good thing for me. Um, you know. You beat the Dolphins, who are not good, and the most fraudulent seven and six team ever going into that. When at any closer analysis, like you could call up just their points for and against to be like seven and six. How did this happen? Well, we know how it happened: a miracle play against the Patriots, a missed field goal against Chicago. They had a few other things go their way. Buffalo threw a touchdown pass that got dropped to lose a game against Miami that would have won at the end of the game. So everything had been going their way until yesterday. So when you put up 
41 points, you have to look at it a little bit through the lens of, all right, it's a Dolphins defense that's bad. And Zimmer, even today, he almost couldn't hold back on mocking the Dolphins defense. Like, well, they were doing this against the run, and the cornerback was looking in the wrong place when we threw a touchdown, and all these things that they were doing wrong for them to put up that many points. But with all that said, if you look at the process that they used to win last year, it was the same in that game. They got everyone involved. Six different receivers caught passes. It wasn't Adam Thielen 10, Stephon Diggs 8, and everyone else none. It was big plays from other places. I mean, last year we saw this. David Morgan would catch a third down pass, or C.J. Ham would catch some sort of... He, in Atlanta, he had a third down conversion, or you know whatever it might be. A lot of people getting involved. Jarius Wright was a big part of that. And this year, it's basically been those two wide receivers or nothing. And it's been Kirk Cousins out of the shotgun trying to throw it all over the place, which he can't do very well. So all the changes that they put in were the right ones to make. The formula was right. Yeah. That's the most important thing here. And the formula needs to start with this. Delvin Cook is your key player. He's your most talented offensive player. And your quarterback needs to work within the constraints of what he's told to while and this and this is where it gets dicey to me. He needs to work work within the constraints of what's smart and what he's told to do and put in a position to succeed, but yet also helped enough psychologically so that he can do those things relaxed. Right. So so like you've got to tell him in a way, in a backwards way, you gotta tell him, Kirk, you're not as good as we thought you were. We know that you should but, you, but you would verbalize that. But I want you. But I want. But I also want you to be relaxed and have fun while doing exactly what I tell you to do. That's the <laughs> I, I problem want, here. I need to see Judd Zolget as a head football coach at some point. You need. Or by the way, he admitted last segment that he would, if he got the keys to the car, he would throw halfback passes with Delvin Cook starting this weekend. Darn right, I would. I think he's a great athlete. I think he's got the ability. I don't know if he could throw the ball at all. We saw oh. Jarek McKinnon try to throw it once. That's it was, a good point. It was hideous. Yeah. Uh, But the the key point about Kirk Cousins is just that when I did a look last year at Case Keenum and I tried to figure out who Case Keenum statistically reminded me of, like his career and sort of how he was succeeding is what I looked at. So that means using a lot of play action, using a lot of screen passes, a lot of dump offs, that sort of thing, and then hitting on intermediate throws using play action a lot of it looked like Kirk Cousins. He's in the article before I had any idea that Kirk Cousins would ever be the quarterback here. And I think I wrote in the Kirk Cousins section, yes, Cousins is better, but this is the same way that he succeeds. Mm-hmm. So realistically, if Kevin Stefanski had become the offensive coordinator of this team and carried over a lot of the same processes, probably would have gotten more out of Kirk Cousins. And the biggest area is protecting him. If you're having him sit back in the shotgun, this is a guy who is not particularly fast at diagnosing things up front, who does not move at all once he's in the pocket. So you're going to stick him in one spot where he's just a sitting duck there for every defensive end? And that, to me, made no sense ever. I mean, you either have to be, if you're going to play out of the shotgun like that, you have to be uh, Tom Brady, who can diagnose so quickly that the rush won't even get there. He's going to have the ball out of his hands to the right spot. Or you have to be Deshaun Watson, who just has this brilliant pocket presence, and if they get rushed up the middle, he's outside. If they get rushed outside, he's stepping up in the pocket. He's he's so fun to watch. But Kirk Cousins is neither one of those things. So have him under center, and that's where he succeeded a lot under Sean McVay, under uh, Kyle Shanahan. You see Shanahan is getting the most out of Nick Mullins. So like it, 
That helped Kirk Cousins become who he was and probably made Cousins' stats look better than he actually was. So now if you are using Cousins in the right way, it gives you a much better shot going yes, forward. Yes, it's, it's almost like they were using him based on how much... They were using him based on where he ranked on the pay scale ladder. So it, it, everything you've said about the structure of last year's team and how they used Case Keenum to his strengths, the structure of the team didn't change a lot. They no, changed the really. they changed the coordinator and the quarterback. And so if you just if you just compare, I, I, sometimes we tend to get so far in the weeds with offenses, and, and I'm just going to give you a super, and I like getting in the weeds, but I'm going to give you a super basic stat that I think is very telling last year compared to this year. The Vikings offensively last year, we're 22nd in pass attempts, okay? And I get the game flow dictates sometimes who passes more, who doesn't. This year, the only four quarterbacks to throw more passes, even after yesterday's game, so this would have, he would have ranked even higher going, going into the game, the only four quarterbacks to throw more passes this year than Kirk Cousins, Ben Roethlisberger, Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. Andrew Luck, possibly Hall of Fame, Matt Ryan, not Hall of Fame, but former MVP, and Aaron Rodgers, Hall of Fame. Which one of those five, if you put Kirk Cousins in that mix, doesn't belong? Who are we going to hitch our wagon to and throw the most passes with? And Kirk Cousins is on that list? Yeah, and another part of that, too, is in terms of just like who you're giving the ball to, who can do the most damage for you, what's the smartest process here? And I understand that Delvin Cook was out for a chunk of the season, but they won those games because they were largely against bad teams, and Latavius Murray just ran over them and took care of business. But when you look around at the league and who some of the best teams are, they mostly have a running back they give the ball to all the time, or multiple running backs in the case of New England. New England's a great example. They've got James White, who catches all the passes. They've got Sony Michelle, who runs all the time. Well, Delvin Cook is both of those things. Yeah. That running backs are such a big part of these offenses. And even James Conner, when he was in for Pittsburgh, was getting the ball a lot. And Le'Veon Bell, when he was even better, was the centerpiece of their offense for quite a long time. And, and the reason why he wants so much money and ended up sitting out. I mean, almost every one of these great offenses, Todd Gurley is the same way. Alvin Kamara is the same way. They have a Delvin Cook-type player. And this has existed for, I don't know how long, forever, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go back to the 1990s Buffalo Bills prolific offenses, they have Thurman Thomas, who they're giving the ball to all the time. The Rams or, with Marshall Falk. That, yeah. That's exactly right. And, and he should be in that sort of role because he can do almost anything you ask him to do. And so all they did yesterday was, and, and Zimmer had another, jab in there. It was like, you know, when you give Delvin Cook the ball, he's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah. And keep in mind, too, he caught one pass. Yeah, for 27 Target yards. Targeted twice, <laughs> though. But but I, I'm saying, like, there's more here. There's, oh, sure, a, yeah. there, there's a lot more here. And, and this isn't about the fact that you can't get creative. You can. What you need to do is be smart about it. So there's two different ways to be creative in the NFL. You can either have 215 plays, which some teams do, and Mike Zimmer sort of made fun of Matt Nagy for having that many plays when they went up against Chicago. He said today that against the Dolphins, they used the same play 10 times with 10 different looks. Yeah. That the different personnel yeah. or different formation or whatever it might be, some tweak to a route or something, but the same concept 10 times. And I think that's all he was asking them to do is that was more of a Shermer thing, is let's use a lot of the same plays all the time, but we'll give different looks to those plays, maybe a a change in a blocking scheme or something like that to make it work, instead of having this massive playbook. But I, I think the biggest part of it was, A, give the ball to Delvin Cook. Genius, right? And then, B, just getting everyone involved. 
Last year, everyone felt like it was their offense, down to the fullback, down to the number two or three tight end. They felt like it belonged to them. This year, I think they felt like it belonged to two wide receivers, and that was it. And the offensive line, when you help them, they're better. And this was always my contention this year is, I know it's not good, but Riley Reef is a decent player. Brian O'Neill is coming along. Pat Elfline is good. You have two guards that aren't great. So how can you help them? How you can help them is get Cousins out of the pocket. Get him on the move. Get him on the design rollout. Do something. Throw in a fullback who can chip somebody or what? You know, yeah, all nothing's these tough things. about this. Right. All of these things are just yeah. in the category of obvious. And when you fire your offensive coordinator, everyone goes, oh, Zimmer's just out there firing everybody. He's just running offensive coordinators out of town. But the previous offensive coordinator was missing on so many obvious things that they could not keep him. People heard Mike say, run more, and thought, well, yeah, run more. That's old school. Who cares? Right. What he was basically saying was, I want to give the bleeping football to Delvin Cook. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's that was it, his only it, point. It truly is a pie chart of who do you want to be contributing offensively. And if I have Tom Brady in his prime, probably going to skew toward throwing the ball 50 times in a game once in a while. But if I have Delvin Cook and Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs and Kyle Rudolph and a backup running back who's a starting running back who can play on third down and a quarterback who's mostly league average but gets paid top three, don't mm-hmm. let the salary fool you, which is what the first thing Sage told us on Friday this last week, too. Like, don't. Don't even equate it. It doesn't matter anymore. So there was another nice little one from Aldrick Robinson, who is not in a position to like throw flames at anyone. So this was very subtle. But when Robinson talked today about his role in the offense and getting other people involved, Tyler Conklin led the team in passing yards. That is something that just would not have happened before. And he said, well, you know, I mean, given everybody else their chances and stuff, it uh, forces teams to, you know, not be able to double one guy. <laughs> like, oh, like who? <laughs> yeah, it's like, so that, obvious. Like, yes, like just just in general, not talking about anyone here. Like doubling the two wide receivers that teams kept doubling to shut you down on third down every time. Not here. I just mean in general. This, but, you know, yeah, yeah it's just random like, some guy got doubled. You know, I don't know. I, don't know. Yeah, yeah, I could think of all these examples. Football. Six five one six four six eight two five five. The football hour, and you can find all kinds of content on fifteen hundred ESPN dot com from Matthew Collar Judd. Uh, it's time to talk to Mister Money Talk, Josh Arnold. We're- Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do on fifteen hundred ESPN. All right, let's check traffic uh, one more time here. Six ninety four eastbound. We got a crash in Fridley. Uh, it's between University and Central. And it's causing a six-minute delay. Otherwise, everything moving as it normally would around this time of the day. Go, Pat, go! Next year, if they do next year, Bill, I think it's got to be a guy that's going to hold him accountable. I mean, it has to be a lot like... I right. mean, you remember the first year McCarthy came here with Brett Favre? Held him accountable. Brett Favre had his best season that he had ever had as a Green Bay Because he got coached. He got coached up. <laughs> He came in, watched film with Mike McCarthy, and they get it, and they got him straightened out. Well, that's going to have to happen to Aaron Rodgers, whoever the new coach is going to be. They cannot hire a guy that's going to be a yes man to Rodgers because if you do, you're going to see a lot of the same. We can talk about McCarthy game is stale. Maybe Rodgers game has gotten stale too. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. Oh, my. <laughs> it's over. 
Good. Uh, Packer vet line. He's on, done. On First year of that contract, he's done. <laughs> Love Collar's reaction. Oh, my. Um, so I'd like to find, is there a Cleveland Cavaliers vent line when, like, LeBron got eliminated from the playoffs a time or two, and they would talk about, you know, is there a coach that's going to keep accountable? Or he didn't, do the, he didn't do the post-game interview. He should yeah. be shot to the sun or whatever. It sounds a lot of the same when uh, maybe it's just you look at the same – information all the time and you just start having to figure out different ways to talk about it maybe that's the problem there you guys ever stare at us you stare at a word or a sign yeah if you if you like if you were we have these little signs in the studio if you were to stare at the word broadcast long enough the word wouldn't make sense yeah, anymore you get all discombobulated that's, maybe that's what's what happening in green bay has to be. like all i don't know what a good quarterback is anymore uh rogers hasn't played super well and you saw it even when he played the Vikings. In the second half of that game, there were some passes that were missed, and I don't know what his health is. But when we look at the all-time great quarterbacks, they don't seem to be having a problem anymore playing really well until they're about 40 years old. And now I think we're seeing little cracks in the Brady Foundation. Manning fell off the year that he won the Super Bowl, of course, it was ironically. a sad season for me. And, and yet he had had 15 better seasons and wins the Super Bowl in that one. But uh, we see the great quarterback play for a long time. So I would expect that Aaron Rodgers will be great for a long time still. It's just the idea that the answer to helping Aaron Rodgers be better is to hold him accountable somewhere. Well, it's like, no, no, no. The, we, you need to do the opposite process. You need how, to, who's going to work with Rodgers and how are you going to support him with the rest of the roster? Because never drafting wide receivers, for example, or paying them, or his favorite wide receiver you just cut and let go to Oakland. Like, was this really the right way to do it? But how do you watch that team play on defense as well? And I think the defense is improved, but it's still not it's great. It's still bad. But how yeah. do you watch that team play games and land on Rodgers? That's what I completely don't get. Like, it's it's mystifying. Well, I, th- I think with Rodgers, and it does remind me of LeBron James in the way that LeBron would try too hard to do everything himself. And I think there are times that I see Rodgers trying too hard to hit on a big play and then even his check down will sort of lack his typical accuracy. And you're like, what happened on that, man? I mean, you should be able to hit that that check down. But I think he's sitting in the pocket and he's moving around and he's looking and he's trying to make these amazing throws. And oftentimes he does. There were a few against the Vikings that were mind blowing. Yes. But when you looked, I looked at their tape a little bit from a couple games before they played the Vikings. People were not open. I mean, they're running the same route combinations that they've run forever, which multiple former players have criticized them for, and I uh, totally agree with. So you need an overhaul of the offense. But when I see quarterbacks who are mediocre having their offenses make a lot for them, Mitch Trubisky is the best example. If you've got that, then you're, you're golden with Aaron Rodgers. But they don't have any of that. They don't have even a percentage of that. And even their running back, they don't even use them enough in the passing game. Aaron throws precision passes all over the place, to the sideline in particular. In the game here, Devonta Adams, who's not a bad player, he's probably his best receiver, but he's not great, went to the sideline and went out of bounds. Yeah. Okay, that's and, not that's not Rogers' fault. He threw this un, he threw about four passes in that game that about three people on the planet can throw. And there was a great breakdown by someone, I believe it was Dan Orlovsky, 
who broke down the lack of detail in Jimmy Graham's route running <laughs> that was causing problems in the offense. And this is how everything has to work perfectly together in the NFL in general. But just like this lazy, sloppy-ass route that Graham ran, kind of ran his defender right into the other receiver that Rodgers was targeting. So it looks like on TV you might see him throw the ball, and then the guy's covered, and you go, what are you doing, Rodgers? But it's a timing route, and Graham is supposed to run it with a little more detail and sharper to the exact right spot, and instead he just kind of wanders out there. Graham is horrendous now, by the way. Oh, he's cashed it. A, a, a guy who was yeah, once what, very good what is happened just to that pathetic guy? now. Like injuries play some role, broken right? Down, broken down, old, paid, and done. Yeah. He's it's the equivalent old, of LeBron though. playing with J.R. Smith. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, it's... A, a J.R. Smith, Smith at one point was a pretty good player, and now he's just... But J.R. Smith was never the best player at his position. I mean, Jimmy That's Graham true. was once the best tight end in the he NFL. He was fantastic one time. Yeah. yeah. He does not yeah. give a damn now. I'm trying to. Cleveland did try to bring in some old dudes, but they actually won with Richard Jefferson. So I can't shout out Richard Jefferson for this, but it's kind of right. the same sort of thing. Like well, he was shot by the time. And don't he got forget there. too, Breeze helped make Graham as well. Now Graham was really good, but Breeze, but but you're playing with Breeze and you're young and you're trying really hard and you're good, and then you get traded and you start to get hurt a lot. And I think in in this sport again, I think, and it's so hard to tell. But athletes in this sport have a definite give-up factor, which is, I'm just done. So Gronk is done right now. He's done. He can't play anymore. Breeze is a perfect example. So he's on the older side. He's 39 or 40 now. And what did they do for a number of years? They kept drafting players to help him. Uh, I think Mark Ingram was a second-round pick. Kamara is a third-round pick. But everybody knew that draft was full of amazing running backs, as Delvin Cook has proved and Kareem Hunt before his incident was proving. Great running backs in that draft. So they get him. They draft Michael Thomas in the second round. He's become one of the best players uh, in the entire NFL. Ryan Ramchek, their right tackle, is a fantastic player. So they've made all these draft picks around him to help him out. And I, I think that Rodgers doesn't have any of that. He's got a great left tackle, David Bakhtiari. That's it. That's the whole offense. And I don't think Adams is all that great. I think he's okay. Yeah. I think he's an average one or two wide receiver, but nothing super special. And they've basically ignored the skill positions and let Rodgers just help everyone out. And eventually, especially when he's dinged up, there's a shelf life on that when you don't even have an innovative offense. Yeah, I feel like we've been watching... Like we've been watching the Vikings try to solve this Rubik's cube for years of okay, how do you make a roster work without a quarterback and still get to the playoffs? <laughs> right. And if you do this and twist it this way, you can win eleven games with uh, Matt Castle and like a rookie Teddy Bridgewater. But if you twist it this way, maybe T Jack will get you to the playoffs. Ooh. And Packer fans are looking at the same equation. And they look at the same Rubik's Cube and they think that Aaron Rodgers is the reason why they're not going to the playoffs this year. And I don't even know what it means, like hold them accountable. Like I know what that means in general, but what would you like to do? I mean, he's paid. He's one of the greatest players to ever play. Do you want someone to bench him in the third quarter? Or like, like what is it? Do you, do you need them to call him out in meetings? Were they not doing that with Mike McCarthy? Like, what is it that you think? Or it's just a football thing to yell at a postgame show, which is kind of what that sounds like. They need to hold him accountable. Like, yeah, okay. What does that mean? I think people there have seen quarterback play that's been so good for so long that they, they think offensive problems are all based on one guy, which is ridiculous and wrong and stupid. 
But I think that they want to hold. I think they want to hold Rogers' feet to the fire and say, "You're being paid all, all of this. You should single-handedly go to Devontae Adams and take his body and throw it inbound, so he never steps out of bounds, yeah, so his foot works right." It is weird. That that, what I do? You know, we talk about all those other things, like with Kirk Cousins. Like, well, you've got to get Delvin Cook going, and you've got to involve a lot of people, and you've got to use unique protection things. But like. Wouldn't that all apply to a good quarterback, too? Uh, yeah, for some reason, we don't really look at those things anywhere near as much how the offensive line is. The year that the Broncos beat the Patriots in that playoff game to go to the Super Bowl, the Patriots' offensive line, I, I think, had a bunch of injuries, and they had like a backup tight end playing right tackle yeah, or something. Tackles, yes. And it was like, oh, Brady didn't get it done again. Yeah. Their, their kicker missed an extra point when he had never missed one before and like all these sorts of things, but it was... Ah, now maybe Brady's losing. <laughs> you know, it's just I mean that's a a bit of the nature of the beast. But yeah. when you're right there and covering the team all the time and you are blaming Rodgers, I I think you've probably just reached the point of you as a post-game host man need this to be over. <laughs> when once you've gotten that like if you've gone this far, turn back. If you've gone to Rodgers needs to be accountable. <laughs> like okay, we But this, is this, it fun this not man to say needs that? a week off. If he's not healthy, I'd play the best backup that you have a chance with. And then going Well, really, the, the only season, backup, I mean, they got Boyle, but Deshaun Kaiser is their official backup. Yeah. It was yeah. Boyle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's my bad part. Yeah. Go, Pat, go. That, that is what we call resignation. <laughs> yeah. That is a sign yeah. of you've, you've resigned yourself to what your fate is right now. So, yeah. by the way, I mean, this all sort of speaks to with the Vikings, the need to get this done and get into the playoffs playing really well and have a chance to make some noise in the playoffs because I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be down for all that long. I think it's going to be another year or two till he's right back. And we've seen this. The guy we're looking at on TV right now, Cam Newton, I mean, two years ago or maybe even last year, he's down, he's having a bad year, and it's, oh, well, maybe the league figured out Cam and no one's holding him accountable. That's the problem. And then, now he hasn't been as good lately and they've lost games but then you look at this year and he's having one of his best career years they changed the offense they drafted some weapons around him they signed a good receiver in Jarius Wright Christian McCaffrey comes in it's like this happens all the time to even quarterbacks that are considered to be really really good so I don't think it's going to be very long until we see the Packers go back to 12 and 4 again or 11 and 5 again and I do think that their defense will get it turned around, but they don't have a, a ton of talent there either. So let's answer this question when we come back here. The football hour, we got Matthew Collar for a few more minutes. We're going to wrap with Royce. What is still salvageable? Two more games in the regular season, and then whatever happens if you make the postseason. What is still salvageable? Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. <laughs> Dan, it's a season high. 33 rushes today from Minnesota. Cousins on third and long. Steps up. Cousins. Deep ball. Separation. Touchdown. Aldrick Robinson. Cousins is on the money. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Coach did a great job of, of finding out when the, when the right time was to get it uh, in the tempo and, and then uh, when things were going well to stay in the tempo. So, obviously, he did a really good job and, and all the coach did of, of, you know, keeping it simple, too. When we, when we are getting on the ball, keep it simple for us and, and let us go play. Football. So, all right, that was a, a new-look Vikings team. 41 points, 21 points on their first three drives, and you feel pretty good that they put a put a Miami team to bed that they should. 
So, Kyler, let's start with Kyler on this, and we can go around the room, and we'll wrap with Royce before the hour's over. What is the salvageable thing here for the Vikings? Are we talking about, okay, now they're back in the NFC mix. I've said that New Orleans in New Orleans is the only game that I'm sure that they lose. Um, New Orleans at U.S. Bank Stadium isn't mathematically possible. I think they lose that game, too. The other teams all feel vulnerable. Trubisky, Jared Goff's been bad lately, so... I still think they can win a couple playoff games, and then if they happen to to avoid New Orleans in New Orleans, who knows what can happen. So I I definitely think there's a bunch of salvageable things here for the Vikings. Having watched the Rams the last couple of games, uh, woof. I mean, it it has not been good at all. And Jared Goff, or as uh, I, I would call him, a young Kirk Cousins in a lot of ways, where he is helped out a lot by his offense and his situation, but if things go wrong, he's not very good. And defenses have found ways to make things go wrong for him. It was really funny that early in the year I read these articles about, oh, man, defenses, they don't know what they're doing, and like the NFL is behind college for defense and all sorts of like blazing hot takes like that, but... As we've gone along, we have seen the defenses adjust as they always do. Oh, so we're on pace for six gazillion points and we're old school football is dead and all that. Well, you know what's never going to die in football is defenses adjusting to offenses. And what you used to see is they would run their motions and stuff and defenses like moths to the flame would go, oh, the motion. And then they would just do what they've always been taught to do. But these last few weeks, you've seen the, the changes where they're not really taking the bait the way that they were early in the year. And that has messed up Jared Goff. So I think the Vikings could be them, especially since they don't have a great defense. If you could find a way to go out to L.A., that might be the most advantageous. And with Chicago, I don't love that matchup. Of course you don't when Khalil Mack ate you alive in the first matchup. And, you know, I think the Riley Reef needed some help in that game, but every team tries to help on Khalil Mack, and it doesn't really matter. I mean, the guy is an absolute monster, mm-hmm. so is Akeem Hicks. If you're talking about, oh, well, they need to run just like this to win. Uh, you ain't doing it against that team because they have one of the top three nose tackles in the entire league. So I don't love any matchups there other than if you played Seattle again somehow down the road. I don't know. But as far as what they need to do over these next few games to prove that there is some possibility of that, it's continue to succeed now with not catching teams off guard that you're doing a lot of different things. Mike Zimmer tried to downplay that and say, well, no, no, we're you can't change too much in a short week like that, but it looked like a different offense. Yeah. They changed a lot, or at least stuck with the things that had succeeded early in the year. So now they've put all that on tape. And I don't think the Lions are good, but Matt Patricia was the defensive coordinator for the Patriots. He did slow down the Rams a little bit. He, last week, held the Bills to 14 points. They lost anyway. It was a bad team. You should beat them. But if there's any way that he figures out some stuff to slow these strategies down, then I think we start to pump the brakes a little on. It's all fixed. We're all good. And when it comes to winning three games to get to the Super Bowl in the playoffs, you have to have Kirk Cousins not throw that pick six. Against the Miami Dolphins, to let them come back in the game, we were in the press box going, the Dolphins aren't going to win. Like, I don't care if they came back. They're not going to win. This team's terrible. 
If you do that to Chicago, though, if you do that in New Orleans, if you yes. do that in L.A., if you give them a free seven points, I mean, Kirk Cousins has given other teams 35 points this yeah. year. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to hear, oh, it was, just, it was a great defensive play, which it was. It was a great sniffed-out defensive play, but there's a lot of quarterbacks that find a way also to just not throw that pick six. Yep. Just find a way to not throw that pick six, please. I love that uh, I do the podcast with Sage Rosenfels because every one I can be like, okay, Kirk's fault or not, we'll play a little game. Hey, is it his fault? Yep, it was because the ball in his hands yeah. and when it happens right. multiple times and I know that there's always an explanation right there there every time it's oh well this didn't happen to this block happen. yesterday but you know what you know what it is every time is him throwing the ball blind him just winging it out there without seeing something and that's your concern your concern is he gets sacked yesterday by the pinky toe because he doesn't see Riley Reef driving his guy wide. And he doesn't. He and, does and, not have. And then a he feel gets sacked there. So yeah. I mean, th- these are the issues that I think think a lot of quarterbacks when you get to the playoffs is the sacks, the pick six interception, the strip sack, and those big moments and things like that. And that's where I don't know if there's any way to fully convince Vikings fans that you should be great when you get to the playoffs when you know that that moment is coming at some point. I can get you a first round playoff win and that's it. That's what I can do. I can beat I can beat Chicago. Now I've got to have complete control of the quarterback. He can't screw up and he has to he has to listen to my game plan for him entirely. I can get you that road game second round I can't do it. Well, it depends on where. It's I, a, it totally cuz Los, An- Los Angeles right, but I can tell you I can tell you that if you go play the Rams on the road I think that you could put together a formula to do it but you're asking me now to put together back-to-back game plans to do that and I think that's a huge ask. Like I like they win in Dallas. I think they win in Dallas. I think they win in Chicago against Trubisky. Dallas is tough because they do have a great defense. And that's where the, any team with a good defense has beaten the Vikings this year. Even the Buffalo Bills. I wouldn't give the Bills any sort of credit, but we didn't know how good their defense was when it was week three. You know what concerns they me looked a like a joke at that time. Here's what really here. Here's the one thing I saw yesterday that worries me a lot now, and I didn't realize it's a problem until then. The pick was thrown on a screen pass. At which yeah. point, you guys started talking about the fact that we now we now can see that Kirk's not great at screen passes. If I can't complete screen passes in playoff games. I'm in big trouble. Yeah, is, is, that, is that a thing? He's, just, he's not good at throwing screen passes? He's surprisingly bad at throwing screen <laughs> How passes. How hard is it to throw screen I, I've passes? I've looked at a bunch of them this, this is year a problem, where they're just, in, they're just not super accurate. Like, there was one against Detroit that should have been a touchdown where he threw behind Delvin Cook, so Delvin Cook had to catch it and take, like, a step back. His momentum was taking him that way, and then he had to, like, restart the wheels, and he still got, like, seven yards because he's awesome. But he would have had a touchdown, and the throw was behind him. And even the little flip to Cook when he fumbled against Detroit was like not accurate. The throw to Rock Thomas where he fumbled uh, against the, the Eagles, where he threw it up and behind him and it was a backward pass. He really isn't, that isn't really what he's great at. And when you said, this, this was the thing. <laughs> I when need we, you to be good at when, screen passes. When we were talking about Kirk Cousins and paying him that type of money, which ultimately down the road will hurt their ability to keep players, sign players, free agents, and so forth, and maybe already did this offseason in beefing up the offensive line, it was always when you start to go down the list of some of the shortcomings, you get to probably too many. You you can every quarterback has some shortcoming if it's not Peyton Manning and even then he didn't always play great in big games not always so like 
everyone's got some sort of shortcoming. But usually you could say, well, Aaron Rodgers' shortcoming is that he's, I don't know, not easy to get along with. Like man, He threw an interception that one fun. time. Yeah, yeah, it's like, well, okay, he doesn't like his family or something. Yeah, we'll work around that. You know, or whatever it might be. I mean, you know, Tom Brady, okay, he's old, like, and he can't move real good or catch passes, so maybe don't throw one in the Super Bowl to him. But, yeah. like, all right, okay, he's old. We'll work around that by having him go, you know, empty sets and get out of the – uh, get the ball out quickly and stuff. You can't work around all these problems with Cousins. You can't just paint them over. Okay, I know Stefanski is going to try like hell, but, the, but I don't think you can. The screen pass has to work. Like, if, if you're it telling does. me it yep. can't work, I'm in huge trouble. I'm not trouble. telling you it can't. I'm telling you that, for whatever reason, Cousins has an inordinate number of screen passes that are inaccurate. It's true. It's, it's, and, it's weird. And, and I bet, I bet <laughs> John Filippo when he got fired, and this is where I do feel bad for him in some ways, like that he's getting all these punches after you beat the Dolphins. He probably went, I called that play. <laughs> and he and he threw it late. Or he didn't get it to him. There's a couple of screen plays. There, I think Zimmer even brought up one play that they had called plenty of times this year that they didn't hit on. There are screen plays or swing passes or things that are just not on time. And all of this is scripted out to the very millisecond. And if you're a little late... It doesn't work. And against great defenses, it really doesn't work. And Zimmer was talking about today, like, well, you know, their cornerback's eyes were in the wrong place, so Diggs was wide open. That won't happen against the Bears. So that would be my concern going into the playoffs. And if the Bears especially lock up the spot and and we're set for Week 17, I mean, we're really not going to know. We're not going to know how much better they are until they play a playoff team. Uh, there's Purple Podcast, Vikings Vent Line, all kinds of written content from last night and, and from this morning. 1500ESPN.com. That's Matthew Collar. And we wrap with Royce next. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500ESPN. One thing, Seattle tackles better than Miami does. I know that. <laughs> you uh, are correct. I, uh, the, uh, you know... As as miserable as the Vikings offense looked and mm-hmm. got and got De Filippo fired, there were several of those long plays you saw from Cook yesterday that had a chance to be the same plays against Seattle, except the guy came except the guy came up and tackled him one on one. The Dolphins didn't really care about that game. I, I'd say that's a correct assessment. Well, they kind of fought back, but then when the Vikings uh, lit them up again, they uh, they went back. Well, well they're one and six on the road, though. They have been a very odd team. Uh, they pulled a bunch of games out at home. Uh, obviously, last week and the Bears, they beat you know in an ungodly fashion too at home, but uh, on the road. And you know what I say about teams that can't win on the road? They're bad teams. And yeah. That's uh, that's uh, that's what that team is. But yeah, yeah they looked good yesterday. There's uh, no doubt about that. They were all fired up. And uh, what's interesting is uh, how uh, Thielen's kind of uh, slipped a little bit here. They're uh, I guess they're everybody's double covering him for sure, and he's not getting the ball nearly as much. No, well, you know, one thing Judd and I were talking about too is how the NFL in particular is so predictable when it comes to teams that are going to have a letdown and then teams that you think have bottomed out, but they really haven't. So the Dolphins, with a miracle win over the Patriots, they keep their playoff hopes alive, and they're going in to play a team that just fired its offensive coordinator, the quarterback's playing like garbage. Uh, like in, in, a, in a normal setting, you would think, oh, the Dolphins are going to ride the momentum wave and the Vikings are stuck and, and so be it. But, it, but it's... Always the other way around in the NFL, Pat. Always. 
that the team has the letdown, and then the other team isn't as bad as you thought it was, and those two things happened yesterday. Well, yesterday was a great day for the Vikings for this reason, too. Uh, Seattle gets beat, and now Seattle, the Vikings, there's no reason on God's green earth the Vikings shouldn't win the last two, right? Detroit's terrible, and the the Bears won't be playing. So if Seattle then has to go 2-0 and to stay ahead of them, and uh, Seattle, uh, if you don't have to go to Chicago, in your, if you get to go to Dallas instead of Chicago the first week, you should win. They can't win at Chicago, in uh, not in January when it's 12 degrees and the wind is blowing off the lake with that defense. But they can go to Dallas. That Dallas showed you how good they were yesterday. They got shut out. So as big as the Vikings beating Miami, well, not as big because the Vikings had to beat Miami, but uh, Seattle getting beat was a big break for the Vikings because now now they got a good chance of avoiding uh, that uh, game in Soldier Field. And that that is the coldest place in the world to play football in January against a defense like that. Give me Trubisky. Bring it on. I want Soldier Field. Trubisky is going to melt down worse than Cousins. Uh, he won't have to uh, do anything because you're going to make 83 yards and turn it over five times with the guy you got playing quarterback. You put him down there in a 12-degree day with these guys coming after him, you're going to have Archie Manning. Now, now, the, Z- the, Zol- <laughs> the, Zolgat, the Zolgat plan for Cousins is Stefanski is the puppet master and, and Cousins is the puppet, and I'm controlling it. I've got strings attached to his shoulder pads, Patrick. Mm-hmm. He's doing whatever I tell him to do and nothing else. Ah, uh, okay. Well, uh, he's, uh, you know, he, he he's fine when they're not knocking him down. He's, uh, you know, he's... Uh, the Seattle, he didn't get it pressured as much as it looked like, apparently, according to the stats. But, uh, you know, if you protect him, he'll be fine. But he won't protect him against the Bears. These guys cannot. The offensive line, no matter how excited you want to be about what you saw yesterday, cannot block the Bears. Okay, let's get that straight. Yeah. Uh, on a, in a road game, they got no chance. Pat, uh, to to win in Soldier Field in January. How many times did the Bears get to Archie Manning in that game in '84? Eleven. Oh my gosh! One of the great—I can't remember who took the photo, but one of the great close-up photos of all time. Somebody had Manny's Manning's, you know, lay, getting laying underneath the pile, and they did a close-up of his face, and his eyes were basically rolled up into his head, and he got back up and had to play again. So. But uh, uh, yeah, they uh, was that the Steckler year eighty four. They're two. They're they're ten points better than Dallas. They get to go down there. They can beat them. You know, was Dallas. That, Dallas is no good. Was that the Steckler year in eighty four? Yes, yes. But then in eighty five, I was down there for those two playoff games against the uh, Giants and the and the Rams, uh, and they damn near killed Phil Simms and Dieter Brock too. Now this defense isn't that good, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close to the front seven, anyway. Yeah. Have you given any thought to the uh, Detroit holiday swing for uh, a couple football games? Have you st- oh, wait, how close together are they here? That's only like a three-day gap. Oh, yeah. Sunday, well, Wednesday, be, right? You could yeah. you know, you'd eat a lot of chili dogs, hang out on Michigan Avenue. It would be great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really haven't given much thought to it, though. I did, and I tweeted this out, though, today. I, I did uh, get a kick out of the award ceremony that our gopher football team had. 
I saw this. Yeah, we ran an agate collection of the. It it looked like the college football scoreboard on a Saturday. They had like seventy five awards they gave out. If you didn't get an award, you got to feel like the biggest jackass in America. <laughs> oh. There was everything. Oh, the boat, baby. Do we Somebody put do we put said, oars on helmets for good plays like the you know the Buckeye stamp? Do we do that? I yeah, we do. I think. Don't okay. We? I don't know. An oar if well, you... we got an oar on the helmet, but uh, but the, somebody said they should have the Ricey Positivity Award, and I said, right. The category will be the guy who showed the most remorse while he was suspended. That's it. We'll give him an award. So we'll give him the Ricey. <laughs> I, like, award. I, I love that idea. That's that's pretty <laughs> that good. good. That would be a good one. Anyway, uh, did you have a good time at volleyball over the weekend? Yeah, that match Saturday night was fantastic. It was uh, five sets, and it was great. And uh, Nebraska really, uh, as an underdog, really played great. I thought they actually outplayed them. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, but those Cornhusker fans, man, there were 14,000 of them there. I'm not kidding you. It, it, that place was full. It wow. was, you know, fourteen, fifteen thousand people in red. They, uh, they, they don't have much else to do down there. If no. one of their teams is doing well in no matter what sport, they are going to be here. Yeah, my my late mother used to live there when she was uh, just out of out of school, and she said you could go on a Saturday mid morning or you know afternoon. You could go through a mall and see tumbleweeds blowing around. I always remember the Kansas City Royals had like a backup uh, a PR guy, media guy, you know, and. And so when their regular guy didn't make the trip, this kid would make the trip. But he was a Nebraska graduate, and if you had a Saturday afternoon game and they were playing, he could not come to the ballpark because he was too nervous. Yeah, <laughs> he, was, I mean, he would like get a shortwave radio and listen in his hotel room or something. They, I mean, they're nuts. And, you know, even I don't know. Did we end the sellout streak against Bethune Cookman this year? Because the sellout streak's like three hundred and some. So. We'll have Jonathan look that up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, it was fun. It was good, and uh, a lot of a lot of people downtown. Uh, you know, now most of the Nebraska people probably stay in a Super Eight as far away from town as they can get it, so they don't have to pay much. But uh, you know, they uh, they 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 yeah, it was fun. It was good. Yeah. It's, they that is by far the best women's sport. Women's sport, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, Pat, let me tell everybody hey, this thing. You got ten no. seconds, Pat. Don't go to the favorite. No matter how much your girlfriend or wife wants you to go, don't go to it. It's unbelievably rotten. <laughs> All right, see you, Pat. See you, Roy, see you. All right, we're, we're way past. We'll join this update late here.